This is a Sunday message from New Community Church in London. To discover more about New Community, visit newcom.church. So what I'm going to do, linking all that you've heard into the week of prayer, is I'm going to talk about redigging the wells, the power of prayer. And so there's no better response to everything you've just heard this morning than to pray. But I think we just need to take a few moments, which I will do, just to redig this almost over-familiar topic to all of us. I tracked some of the preachers that I've done on prayer over the years, and you know what? There's an awful lot of them. And, and some of them are actually rather good. Um, some of them are really not so good. Some of them I got terrific response, and some of them I don't think I got any response whatsoever. Didn't seem to make much difference. Some of them I actually don't even agree with now. <laughs> a few months later or a few years later, I'm thinking, I really said that? I have really moved on from there. I think something quite different. Um, and, and so, consequently, this is a church that actually has heard lots and lots of teaching about prayer. So we're not going to kind of, kind of go over all that ground today. Uh, sometimes people ask me, you know, is there a book I can read about prayer? Well, there actually, there are loads of books about prayer. Uh, but my go-to book is a book called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. And it's an absolutely terrific book on prayer. If you really want to know more about prayer that I can't possibly cover this morning, then Google it, Amazon, what have you, A Praying Life by Paul Miller's outstanding book. And when he comes to the subject of prayer, and this is probably my heart uh, in these next few moments, we need to be reminded of its power, the power of prayer. We need to be reminded of the f- effect that prayer has on people's lives, the potential breakthrough that there is when we pray, the actual miraculous element and the timing of the things we pray about, It's also twinning with that, we have to realize that there's an awful lot in the Bible about enduring prayer. Prayer that doesn't seem miraculous and breakthrough, but nevertheless, we need to be a people that press into God and keep on praying. And here's the point, we so easily forget as time goes by what prayer actually is and what it can do. And so for many of us, sadly, prayer can become quite bland, can become something you know, ordinary. We can pray, but we've got little, little expectation that anything's going to happen. And sadly for us, even Christians, prayer can be kind of like a last resort. We've tried everything else. Oh, why don't we just try praying about it? And it's kind of like it's lost that sense of effect and power. Sometimes we even go look for other solutions as if there's another thing that's better than when we pray. So we really do need to redig this well again as a church community. And I don't know about you, but I've never known a time in my life where the call to prayer is more apt than it is right now. The last year and a half that this nation has been through, that we as the people of God have been through, I can't think of it. I think we probably need to do more of prayer than ever before as a consequence of these times. Of course, prayer in Scripture just starts with you and me as individuals. It doesn't really start with the corporate. It starts with you and me. So Jesus said, when you pray, not if, 
but when you pray. And the next exhortation in that passage is to start talking about going to a secret place and closing the door. And it's not so that people will go to the door and hear what you're praying. It's just simply that the call is, there are just moments in our lives of intimacy, of, of, of you and your God alone, an audience of one, away from all the noise. And I don't know how we all do this in the 21st century with all its noise, but it's actually not an option for us. We need to become individuals who really do pray. I love this verse in Luke 18, verse 1. Jesus is about to tell the famous parable about going knocking on the door and the judge and the persistent uh, widow and all the rest of it. And it says here, but just verse 1, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Isn't that an amazing statement? You can miss that. He taught, you know, his teaching was that you would always pray. And when you pray, you will not lose heart. There's a connection between those two particular things. And of course, Jesus is the one who said, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, one of the shortest verses in the entire Bible, but yet one of the most profound. Pray without ceasing. I just make to make sure they've got the same translation that I'm looking at in my Bible. Pray without ceasing. What a powerful statement that is. And so folks, prayer is an invitation to you as an individual. It is a gift. It is a privilege. It's about an open heaven because you have total proximity now through the blood of Jesus, a new and living way. So it's about an open heaven and all you and I need to do is have faith to believe that the things we pray for towards that open heaven to a father who says, how much more will I give? (laughs) And that's why we as people of prayer need to see this as a great joy and a privilege rather than a duty. How does prayer work? I have no idea. My only meditation on that is, if I did know how it worked, I don't think that's going to help me anyway. And if, it, if we did know how it worked in the modern Christian world, we'd bottle it, stick it on the internet, and it'd become a formula that we would just sell everywhere for everybody. We just don't really know how prayer works. So you hear lots of teaching. You only need to pray once. When you've prayed it, you can leave it with God. Then you hear another piece of teaching. You need to not just pray once, but you need to keep coming back to God and asking him again. Then you'll hear teaching that says, when the spirit moves and you feel it, that's the time to pray. Then you hear a teaching that says, don't wait for a feeling. Pray anyway, because it's not about your feelings. It's about God and what he will do. So it gets terribly confusing. You know, I had a friend who used to teach, had an amazing ministry of praying for the sick, and he used to preach, and he used to say, watch what the Spirit's doing. Keep your eyes open when you pray for this person, that God will see if God's doing anything, and ask them questions. I have another friend with a tremendous ministry in healing, and said, whatever you do when you pray, keep your eyes closed, because you need to close it, because only God can do this thing. So here's my, my answer to this dilemma. When we next pray, you keep one eye closed and one eye open. Now, I'm going to really go with the, around the world with this. I think it's going to really work. Because the reality is this, folks. It, prayer is not complicated. It's simple. 
And so prayer is this. We pray, God answers. And sometimes, and let me, let me just tell you this, he always answers your prayers. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says yes, but not now. That is a very annoying one. <laughs> but he always answers our prayers. Why? Because he is God and he knows what's best. And his timing is perfect. There you go. We could tell a lot more, but that's it. And then there's corporate prayer. And you know, if you go through the Old Testament, you realize that prayer wasn't invented in Acts 2.42, okay? But prayer, corporate prayer, is a theme that runs throughout the whole of the Old Testament. And it's about a people gathered to pray. If my people pray, I will heal their lands. Not a person, but a people. And so when we come to the New Testament, it's not a surprise to realize that the early church were a people who loved to pray on their own, but they loved to pray with other people in their homes and at the temple and whenever we gathered. So you do have Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to prayer. And the Greek word means they continually, it's a bit more powerful than devoted, they continually gave themselves to prayer. And if you read the rest of the book of Acts, there's hardly a chapter that goes by where there isn't a corporate gathering of God's people to pray. <clears throat> and as a result of that prayer, there is a tremendous breakthrough that happens miraculously. And of course, if you track church history, you'll know since that day till now, communities of prayer have been raised up all around the world as people have sought God and still are seeking God. There may well be more corporate prayer going on right now today than has ever happened on this planet. This is the corporate prayer. And this is what corporate prayer brings. I don't know whether we can see this slide go up. Well, that's very effective. This has only been put together two days ago, so this is very effective. The corporate prayer does certain things that the individual prayer cannot do. So, for example, it's in corporate prayer that we have unity and agreement. If you agree together, it says it's not just you, but together, then I will hear from heaven and I'll do it. There's a something wonderful about the, the whole thing of unity and agreement, standing together. Secondly, it produces a, a wonderful uh, um, impact in terms of diversity and that which is intergenerational. So we're a very diverse church, increasingly, both in terms of our backgrounds, but also in terms of our age, which as John hinted earlier, has been one of the, the highlights of this modern, this, this, this latest time that we're kind of a little bit more uh, intergenerational than we've been as well. And it's difficult, isn't it, to be a people where, you take society, everyone's divided off into their age groups, into their color, and into their creed, and into, the, we, the church, are completely the different, if different that we are an expression of it all coming together. And so I can't, I, we need to pray because you can't just do that humanly. It needs the power of prayer. And then corporate prayer also, as, as well as that, causes us as a church to be completely dependent upon God alone. So that everything you've heard already this morning, what shall we do about these things? I don't know where I stand. I've got lots of questions. Come and pray. There's just no better place to, to, to work all that out 
than by a corporate setting of prayer where we learn to depend on God together. And then the final thing I would just say is spiritual warfare. We are living in an age where there is much spiritual warfare around in the Western world, in Europe particularly, and there's just something about corporately praying together that deals with the schemes of the enemy that come against us. So I think that we as a church have probably faithfully taught on this subject of prayer. One of the things that we've done in recent times is to try and emphasize grassroots prayer amongst us. And what we mean by that is, rather than being in a church where the leaders are always trying to persuade you, pray more, pray more, pray more. We must pray more. We've got to pray more. We're putting another prayer meeting and we want you to come. You must come. You must come. But rather than persuading people that, that it's grassroots, in other words, it begins with you. Because as you pray on your own, And then it doesn't just start with you. If you've got a family, then you need to learn to pray together as a family. Or another thing is you might be in a household, mixture of singles, marriage, it doesn't matter. That is a wonderful place to learn how to pray together corporately. And then, of course, Jesus says uh, when two or three are gathered. So it's about friends getting together in twos and threes, right across the church praying. Then it's about communities that are being established and rebooted in these next coming weeks and months, that we become a people who learn how to pray uh, in our communities. And of course, when we gather all together as a church, maybe Sundays we need to have more time given to prayer. I don't know. But certainly when you come to next week, a week of prayer, it's a golden opportunity for us to pray. And the joy of being in the church that, where this really works is people come to you as leaders and say, please can we have more prayer meetings? So rather, you see the journey I've just been on. Rather than us telling you, can we, we need to pray more, it comes right up behind you so that you're being pushed into, please can we pray more? <laughs> because we so believe that this is the right thing for us. And I think over the years, New Community has sought to be a praying church. And sometimes we've had good moments in that and sometimes not so much. Is prayer a strength of New Community? I'm not going to answer that question. Maybe not, but there's a willingness. There's a passion and desire amongst so many of us that, that prayer should be a strength of us as a church community. Just to touch on this, COVID. I don't know how your prayer life's gone in COVID. It's probably gone better individually, maybe. Some of us have struggled with prayer as being individuals through it. Some of us have kind of done all right. Some of you have prayed more because of COVID on your own than you've ever done beforehand. And we've put it online. So we've prayed online, haven't we? I mean, one of the great joys was we started a Sunday morning prayer meeting at nine o'clock. Any of you remember those? Because we stopped them as we came back to in-person meetings. Sometimes we'd have 20, 30, sometimes 40 people. There was never a Sunday from the beginning of COVID until just coming up to August where there wasn't a company of people online praying their hearts out. And God only knows the amount of prayer that was prayed and what was heard and what was answered during that time. But let's be honest, when it's come to corporate prayer, it's kind of been shut down. It's difficult. And I have to say to you, praying online is not the same as praying in person. It's a different world. So folks, it is time to redig this well of prayer. And as we emerge from this COVID season, 
then we need to start to pray more and more together, individually, with friends, with communities, but absolutely as a whole gathered church together in whichever form we do this. Now I want to just bring you a health warning, coming to the end. Uh, the health warning is this. You're not match fit when it comes to prayer. So when you come to pray, it's not the most natural thing in the world. It takes time to build up the muscle to start to pray again. As the, some of the restrictions lifted, listen, I had the joy of praying with some people in person in their homes, which was a tremendous privilege to get back into that kind of thing. Do you know, when we prayed for, we were rubbish when it came to praying for people. I got back in the car and I said to Liz, what did I pray? It just dribbled out of, I don't even know what I was really doing. And the reason is because I've been so out of practice when it comes to praying for people. You can't just bounce from not praying for anybody to laying hands on them and it's suddenly it's all happening and it's brilliant. It just takes time. You have to build up muscle when you're not match fit. You have to get back into training. In other words, you have to get back into doing things in order for you to start to get the wheels oiled again so that you can begin to pray. And when it comes to prayer meetings, your attention span, I'm just giving you a little hints, is not great. <laughs> We're going to discover some of that this week. Halfway through the prayer meetings, we'll phase out. And when we get into groups, they'll say, what did they say we were meant to pray about? Because <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> It's just strange, it's just we've been through these 18 months and it's had more effect upon us than many of us realize. It's kind of foggy, just kind of don't quite get it. And even this, for some of us to get in the car and drive to somewhere where we're corporately praying, it's gonna be an effort. So, oh, I just don't know what, I can't, can't be bothered, it's just difficult and don't know what to do. So this is a well that we do need to start redigging. And if past generations of new community have prayed, and some, I was just thinking the other day of, I could see myself being in prayer meetings over the years in this church. Next year will be 30 years that we've continuously run three uh, weeks of prayer a year for three nights. It's a long time, it's been amazing. And we've got to a place where we can actually say, do you know what? We are a people that are going to pray on the back of those generations who have prayed in the past. Some of them have gone to be with the Lord. I can close my eyes and think of prayer warriors and now they're with Jesus. Just think of Sarah Blower for a moment. She was at these prayer meetings crying out to God. The point I'm trying to make is a new generation emerges on the shoulders of saints who have prayed in this church community for 40 plus years. Will we pray? I want to close with this. Are we okay? It's quarter two. Just a few more minutes. Do you, yeah, I don't know what, what's happened to this church. We used to meet for an hour and a half or two hours, but now <laughs> these things have changed. Um, I just want to ask this question because I think it helps us to fuel something in our corporate prayer and even what we're doing this coming week. The qu I want to ask a question. The question is, what causes wells to be blocked? I'll give you some answers. Number one, I think gradual neglect. I mean, James has just talked so much about Abraham and Isaac and the wells being blocked and 
It's just terrific stuff. But what causes these wells to be blocked? One is gradual neglect. When a well is not tended, when it's, not, when it's unused. So you know the phrase. We've mentioned it before. One generation fights for something, the next assumes it, and the next one loses it. That's not God's will, <laughs> just to say that. We all use that phrase as, oh, yeah, well, there you go then. It's not, the phrase is used to show you that that's not what we want. And you can say this, one generation dug a well, the next generation assumed it was what it was and kind of got used to it but didn't have the passion. And then the third generation didn't even know there was a well and have forgotten all about it and it was out of use. And the antidote so this problem is to keep using the well, to keep coming back to the well, to keep redigging and don't stop. And in a few weeks' time, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit. One of them will be about the gifts of the Spirit. And it's a good example of this. The moment we stop using the gifts of the Spirit, guess what? Up, It, dry, it, it dries up. And the answer is not to wait for the Lord to come. It's to start to prophesy. It's to start to have words of knowledge, to start to move in gifts of healing. That's why Paul said to Timothy, you fan into flame. Not God's going to do it. You, come on, stir it up within you. And the moment you do that, the gifts start flowing. Have you noticed in the last few weeks in our corporate meetings, the gifts are starting to flow again. Why? Because people are starting to step out and use their gifts. And exactly the same is true of prayer. If we want this well not to be neglected, the, the, the well of prayer then the answer is to give yourself to it. Secondly, wells get blocked because we get distracted. Other wells seem more exciting and more life-giving than this one. So we start drinking no longer from this well, but others. And the moment prayer becomes boring and duty and an effort, and that's all it is, then you start to stop, look for other wells to start. You know. But Jesus said, sitting by a well, I will give you a well, that, that will, that will uh, give life, rivers of life from within you. It'll spring up. So Gordon's interpretation of the tongue, did you notice that welling up of joy, that welling up of life? And so again, the antidote to the distractions is to have faith, to come back and believe that prayer is powerful. Number three, a global pandemic. Nothing like a global pandemic to block up a well. The huge potential block is not just, oh, we're out of that now, maybe for years to come. Certainly in this nation, it's going to be years before we recover. And us as the people of God, it may take time for us to unravel all the effect of this last year and a half. And we want to do it sensitively. And we want to do it lovingly. And some of us are going to take longer than others, obviously. But we do need to re-emerge and we do need to unblock the COVID you know, blockage in our world. And the way to do that is to activate it again, to overcome it sensitively and lovingly and with patience and to pray. And finally, <clears throat> we have an enemy who has strategies. And one of the great schemes of the enemy <coughs> excuse me, is um, to block wells. Bible talks about don't be ignorant of the schemes of the enemy and one scheme is to block up the wells of life he's going to cut off your supply he's going to cut off our supply and he will block the wells of mission he will block the wells of Holy Spirit activity 
and he'll block the well of grace. So you need to be here next week to hear John as he unblocks it for us again. He will block the well of unity. He will, he, he will have a strategy which, which will say, I'm going to make the people of God far too busy and preoccupied to come to a prayer meeting. That's a strategy of the enemy. With all our excuses behind it is principalities and powers to stop us to pray. He, he, will, he will produce churches that are crowds who come on Sundays occasionally when we can fit it in. And he will block that the well of churches, a community of people that are following Jesus seven days a week. That's a well he will block. I think COVID actually has backfired. It has the total ability to produce something new in terms of our church life together. So folks, we come to our week of prayer and with this I bring things to a close. Three things this week of prayer. By the way, it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We meet at 7.45. I'm guessing all of this right now for an 8 o'clock start. 7.45 and 8 o'clock start. There's three nights of prayer. On one of the evenings, you're going to have to help me now, I think there's a stream line. Live stream? Stream line? What do you call it? I think we've all been preoccupied with a few other things. No one can't. We'll get the information out to you. But there will be three in-person prayer meetings this week. Here we go. Let's come together and start to unblock some of these wells. Isn't that exciting? Let's kickstart something this week, a process of unblocking the wells, all these wells that we're going to be talking about. Secondly, all the things you've heard today, all this new information, let's pray into it. Let's pray into our corporate gatherings, our new locations. Let's pray for this new gathering in a few weeks' time down there in the school in Elton. Let's pray for our locations, geographic communities to be launched. Pray for the elders and the staff and the leaders and, and teams and volunteers and serving and youth and kids and students. And let's pray for a breakthrough and a mighty move of God. Lord, we echo the words that we've just heard from Louis Giglio. If only we understood that when we pray, things happen. Would you please convict us and reveal that to us? And so by faith today, we redig this well of prayer that for generations has been operating in the life of this church. And I pray that as we dig this well, redig this well, even over these three evenings together, something remarkable will begin to happen for the glory of God. Amen. Thank you.